Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Swill on a podcast. I'm Caleb. And uh, I don't have anything snappy this time. I'm Dan. You are. Um, how have you been? I'm fine. Uh, as fine as I can be, considering the fact the Penguins lost uh, their their entire series, so they're done for the year, which is... Uh, Hilarious, because they were done for five months, and then they showed up to Toronto, and then they uh, promptly stopped showing up to games, despite the fact that they were physically present. How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, just busy and uh, sleepy. About grumpy and happy and dopey and, and doc. The, the, <laughs> the hidden seventh and- emotion. Yeah, and then uh, we killed Sneezy because of the pandemic. Uh, I was at work this week, and some somebody brought their kid in, and like the kid fucking like sneezed right on me. And I was like, "Can we fucking control the plagrats here, please?" No, well, of course not. Why should they be responsible for anything their child does? I feel like if your child sneezes on somebody in public, like, they should be fully within their rights to spit directly into your open mouth. Hey, I agree with that. I mean, <laughs> it's the same thing, really. Excuse me. Where are my manners? Where's your supervisor? I don't know. I'm not feeling, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm not feeling too bantery today. Quite honestly, I I could go on and on and on about the penguins, but I I won't because uh, that would be giving it more effort than they gave it. Yeah, I'm not too bantery. I kind of just want to get right down to business. Let's get down to brass so. tacks and uh, talk about the poll that I put up this week, which got a whole four votes uh, for uh, what did you think of Poltergeist? And all four votes said uh, they gave it a thumbs up. It would be a thumbs up on Netflix for them. So thanks to those four people who who voted into the poll. Uh, and with that, it's time to talk about some swill that we're having. Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! Alright, I decided to have the rest of my Captain Morgan with, uh, it's orange strawberry banana juice. Interesting. So it's, uh, a taste of the tropical islands. How is fine, it? I guess. Good. It's it's good. All right. Well, uh, I'm having uh, Bombay Sapphire and Tonic because uh, I haven't had it in a while, actually. So, figured it was time to bust out all reliable again. SpongeBob spatula meme. <laughs> no, 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 no. All reliable with the jellyfishing net. Oh, that's right. So, I'm not gonna call you an idiot, but didn't you have didn't you have a special spatula in a case too? If he did, it was when he had the um. No, that was a different episode. It's possible he had a he he got a robotic spatula that he replaced his old spatula with, and the robotic spatula was like, I don't want to fucking flip burgers all day. Oh, Get the yeah. fuck out of here, and then. Uh, uh, this is uh, that's actually an older episode. Uh, that's like a newer episode, but kind of like that one. But uh, possibly, huh. well, you have the gold one. Let's not forget you have the gold one. I don't remember. I haven't seen that show in a long time. Um, we're veering into banter. Let's uh, <laughs> talk about some news. Oh shit! It's mail time. <sighs> 
God, what a depressing week this is. Uh, so first and foremost, a district judge in New York has granted a Department of Justice motion to terminate the Paramount consent decrees. Uh, those stated that the movie studios could not vertically integrate with theater chains and ha- uh, also instituted bans on uh, block booking, which is uh, bundling multiple films into one theater license, and circuit dealing, the practice of licensing films to all movie theaters under common ownership. So, uh, remember when we said that uh, the only thing stopping Disney from owning all the theater chains is uh, the law? Well, the law's gone, so... Get ready for Disney. Yeah, um, I mean, that's the way it's been going anyway. Like, the theaters are just going to be Disney and everything else will go on home streaming. Uh, speaking of home streaming, uh, Disney Plus is currently sitting at 60.5 million paid subscribers. Uh, they anticipated initially that they would hit 60 million by 2024. Uh, the company also announced that Mulan will be released to Disney Plus uh, on September 4th for an an additional $29.99 US on top of your regular monthly subscription. Uh, and then if you rent it that way, you will basically have a license to it for as long as you maintain your Disney Plus subscription. It's probably just going to come to Disney Plus anyway. Yeah. If you don't want to spend $30. It's going to come to Disney Plus in, like, time for Christmas. So just uh-huh. just wait for Christmas. Uh, and, and you get Mulan for, not free, but for uh, whatever, what is it, six ninety nine, seven ninety nine, something like that. Just wait three months. Like, who, who gives a fuck? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who gives a fuck. Uh, Disney just posted their first quarterly loss for in, like... 20 years? Yeah, something like that. Something like that? Something like that. Uh, and and no, it is n- like Disney Plus is not enough to uh, raise their bottom lines. Well, no, because they had to spend money into uh, paying for it. Like, it hasn't earned them any money yet, really. Sure. Probably. But uh, first and foremost, they are a theme park-centered business. They're a merchandise-centered business. And uh, with no one being able to go to theme parks... That is, like, mm-hmm. they are unable to generate any kind of revenue from that, and that is their biggest revenue source, despite the fact that they oh, yeah. make billions of dollars from the film industry every year. Yeah, their spending's gotta be fucking insane. So that, that's uh, Disney Watch oh, for the week. Oh, we, we technically have another Disney Watch thing. Uh, this is a carryover from uh, the Fox era of Di- uh, before Disney. But uh, Netflix has purchased the Amy Adams vehicle, Woman in the Window, from Disney Fox. Uh, The premise is an agoraphobic psychologist befriends a a neighbor across the street from her New York City brownstone, only to see her own life turned upside down when the woman disappears and she suspects foul play. Uh, The movie was originally delayed from (laughs) October 2019 due to poor test screenings uh, to May 2020 when it was removed from the Disney release schedule due to COVID-19. Okay, so it's a it's a finished movie that Netflix will turn a profit on that Disney wasn't going to. So yes, uh, this makes sense. It's probably not going to be good. No, um, I don't know. I'm really kind of sick of the trope of the the psychologist who has a lot of psychological problems. I want to see a healthy, well-adjusted therapist in a movie. Paul, cast yourself in a movie again. I said healthy, well-adjusted. I mean, he's trying. He's he's (laughs) trying. Leave him alone. Release the Snyder Cut of Reap. Oh my god, I need to see slow-mo shots of Wayne Arusi with double pistols. (laughs) Alright, um, I thought this was just kind of funny. The, uh, Icelandic Eurovision uh, contestants for this year... Uh, released a video of themselves performing Ya Ya Ding Dong, uh, to make people stop fucking asking them to play Ya Ya Ding Dong. Perfect. That's, that's the way to, to <laughs> lean into the memes. Yeah, let me know how that goes for you. Um, it's great. They did such a good job. Uh, speaking of leaning into the memes, we nearly experienced true suffering at the beginning of every Netflix original. 
Uh, on the short list, so uh, they, someone came out. It was like a VP or something, but he came out and basically said, like, uh, before we had the the Netflix the dumb thing, uh, we experimented with like such things as a goat bleat at the beginning. So, uh, thank fucking Christ that, that never <laughs> happened because I would have shot myself. Bah, bah. <laughs> Uh, string theory teaches us that there is an alternate universe where that is the case. Uh, we call this the darkest timeline. Shockingly, it is not this timeline, because this feels like the darkest timeline. Speaking of darkest timeline, let's get into downstream. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! And talk about... Uh, a new trailer from the creator of American Horror Story. Yes, uh, Ryan Murphy's contract with Netflix is uh, very fruitful. As this is his ne- uh, now third series, I believe, with Netflix since he joined the yeah. the, the studio. And it's a, a prequel to uh, a, a thing we never thought we needed. Uh, a Nurse Ratched prequel from the character who was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, this, uh, somebody decided this needed to exist, and we're finally gonna find out why she was, uh, a mean person to the crazy people. Why are you the way that you are? I don't know. I'll probably hate watch this. I will not watch this at all. At some point. I I don't watch Ryan Murphy things since I discovered that I hate everything he does. Well, that's a fair point, yeah. The other thing is, I don't know why we why we even need this at all. Like, why do we need a prequel we don't. to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Like, this feels like Star Wars, where it's like, hey, we have some intrigue surrounding a couple things that are uh, like semi interesting. Let's explain those. And it's like, did we did we really need you know Han Solo running the Kessel Run in the twelve parsecs or fourteen parsecs or whatever it was? Uh, and did we need the entire runtime of Rogue One a Star Wars story? No. But we got them, and they filled in blanks, and they were they they left like the the best backstory to anything is your imagination, and, and not what is actually put there. So this is just going to be uh, horribly horribly disappointing to anybody who thinks they're going to watch this and go, "This is a good show." Uh, I, I think this is going to be a, an average show. I finally know why she wanted to lobotomize the people. She's a sick, sadistic fuck, Caleb. We need this. Uh, okay. That moves us on to the trailer for I'm Thinking of Ending Things, a movie. Yes. Uh, I want to hear from you first. What do you think of this? Uh, quantum physics is a thing. Movie plots about it. it. It's mysterious and trendy. Um... Oh, it looks interesting. It looks like a, like real, like trippy mind bender. Yeah. Um, which is not really something I'm into. So, uh, well, this is done by or directed by Charlie Kaufman, the the guy who directed Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, uh, which I'll be talking mm-hmm. about in short order. Uh, that's one of my favorite movies ever. So, uh, obviously I'm excited to check this out. Yeah, um, I don't know, time will tell. The The trailer was definitely weird. Jesse Buckley, Jesse Plemons, Tony Collette, uh, Tony Collette, uh, being crazy as, as per usual, right. seemingly. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, I don't know, I think this cast looks really good. I'm excited for another Charlie Kaufman movie. I want to see where where the weirdness goes. Speaking of weirdness, <laughs> next we have the trailer for Demarcus Family Rules, a series about uh, one of the guys from Rascal Flats and his being a dad to human beings. Yep. <laughs> uh, this is like a series Ashley would watch. I don't think she'll watch it, though. <laughs> Because I don't think she gives a fuck. Yeah. 
I say that, and then in like three weeks, I'm gonna catch her. I, I'm gonna come home, and I'm gonna catch her watching this fucking show. Yeah, right. Yeah, it it exists. <laughs> um, the next one is a documentary called "John Was Trying to Contact Aliens." Uh, this is the real life story of a guy who built like a bunch of deep space communication equipment in his house and was trying to send signals out into the great beyond and see who's out there. Yeah. Uh, also, um, also apparently uh, it's going to cover his life after he starts doing, after he stops doing that, which uh, they don't tell you about in the trailer. They're just like, Hey, look at this guy building a supercomputer. I, um, I have a feeling this is going to be sad. Oh, I wouldn't be shocked at all. This man, this man looks like he lives a very sad, lonely life, considering that yeah. his life is sending out deep space transmissions. And I've also seen the movie yeah. Ad Astra. Looks like the kind of person who writes Sonic the Hedgehog slash fiction. I don't look like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, our final trailer is for uh, an animated series, which I'm I'm shocked they didn't call anime. Uh, it's called Hoops. It stars the voice of Jake Johnson, so I'm already out. Yeah, it's uh, it's an adult who swears and is shitty. Um, so this is going to be awful and uh, fucking make Netflix $20 million. This will be the new Big Mouth. Be- because fuck you. Yep, it's going to be very popular and very bad. Alright, so that's it for trailers for the week, so why don't we hop into a quick break, and when we come back, we'll uh, do quick hits, and then we'll get into our feature review for the week for The Willow Bees. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons, Gerald from Two Peas on the podcast, Nick and Justin from the Epic Film Guys podcast, Paul from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast, the IMDb Journey podcast, Julio from the Contrarians podcast, Ashley Gorski from the Rabbit Ears TV podcast, Nate Wade from the Everyone Has a Story podcast, Bill Sutton, James Delarosa, Ben Kiefer, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, and Dan's mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. In order to reach a wider audience, the show needs Apple podcast reviews. To leave us a review, follow the link in the show notes or search for the show on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and helping us grow. Our audience is at the heart of everything we do. You make the one-star movies worth it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Dan, it's time to get into yet another segment, uh, Quick Hits, where we talk about other stuff we watched. So what did you watch this week? All right, we got through uh, a little over halfway through Avatar The Last Airbender Season 2. Uh, Ashley has finally been introduced to Toph, arguably one of the best characters in the show. Arguably. Well. She is. Well. well her and Iroh. I mean, it's I I roll always numero uno. Yeah, I was great. I had to do uh, because because Ashley is a person that doesn't pay attention all all the time during a show. Uh, she misses a few uh, quote unquote sight gags with with Toph. Uh, specifically, there's the one where uh, they're they're flying on Appa, and she and Toph just exclaims, "There it is!" That's what I would say <laughs> if I could see it. And then she starts waving her hand in front of her face, and then she magically disappears. <laughs> and in the background, you hear... Doo, 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 doo. Uh, I had to rewind that best. for Ashley, because she missed it, and then she laughed hysterically. Uh, where the fuck did I... I left off, like, uh, oh, it's the drill episode. So they just got to Ba Sing Se, and they just stopped the drill, uh, which is which is there fine. Is, there is no war in Ba Sing Se. Well, uh, well, now I have to make Ashley watch some of the some of that before we get to this before she listens to this episode. God damn it! I'll need her being spoiled by uh oh fuck what is it what are the secret police? I can't remember now. 
Uh, fuck, I can't remember what they're called. Yeah. The Earth King has invited you to Lake Laogai. Oh, God, yikes. Plus we, plus we get a Jet's character arc, who, who Jet, who we never thought we'd see again in the entire series. We get his character arc for uh, the end of season two. Where he's like, oh, Iroh heated up a cup of tea. He, he's a firebender. <laughs> I don't know. I hmm. I don't know why they went back to Jet. Like he was just such a like a minor one-off character, and like they, it's like they were trying to make him a thing. But he's fine. I don't know. They had a good initial idea with him of setting him up to be like, here's what the resistance is, but on the other side. Like, you think of the, yeah. the resistance as like this all good thing, and then you get Jet, who is just like willing to sacrifice an entire village just to take out a few Fire Nation people. And then, like, I don't know, she was also like a, like a romantic antagonist, I guess, if that makes any sense for Katara. Yeah. But I don't think they run into the Avatar gang again. Uh, of course, I, I could think be, so. I could just be misremembering it. So I, I don't know. I feel like it was like, hey, we have this character. Uh, people know him. We don't have to introduce him and, and the rest of his crew. Let's just use him uh, and then uh, move on with, with from his character entirely after we because uh, like I think once they get exposed as firebenders is when like all shit breaks loose. So they need that. Uh, and that's the best way to do that is to have somebody who who is paranoid and uh, is rightfully so paranoid expose them for what they are. Yeah, that's cool though. I need to make my way back to this show. Um, probably gonna rewatch it again after I watch Legend of Korra, so I can kind of see it through that context, I guess. Uh, sneak peek, this will be the September edition of Rabbit Ears, is Avatar The Last Ooh, cool. Winter, so that's, that's the main reason we're watching it. But uh, more importantly, more important things have to be discussed. I watched Killer Clowns from Outer Space for the first time in like three years. There's there's that, which is... pizza. Which is perfect. You actually posted that around the exact same time that that, uh, that scene was happening for us. <laughs> so, uh, this is my first time viewing this since, uh, not falling in love with, but coming to appreciate B cinema more. Uh, and I can now officially say this movie isn't bad. It's just really boring. They're, they had an idea and they tried to stretch yeah. that idea out over 90 minutes and they had some, like, decent gags, but it was just like, Eh, that's that's eh. the thing is like um you you have to be in the right kind of mindset to enjoy this movie cuz like it is just gag after gag after gag but um I don't know I I stand by like I like a lot of the effects work that they did and stuff yes. and uh like it's it's paced well and it is entertaining so um, uh it's entertaining to a degree I don't know I I don't I don't really much care for uh, budget Jerry Seinfeld, budget Laura Dern, and budget random white guy <laughs> uh, as our three lead characters who are clearly going to go Eiffel Tower later tonight. Well, yeah, that, that's what I was just going to say. I like that they uh, they twisted the whole love triangle thing on its head where, like, the whole movie, it was like, oh, which, which guy is uh, the main girl going to go for? And then it's like, at the end of the movie, it's like, well, por que no las dos? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I don't know, um, there, there, I can't, I, I don't know what it would be called, but like, there's this one recurring track throughout the entire movie that sounds like it's something co that came from the Sega Genesis, and I kind of love it for that. Bernie. Uh, it's like that, bum, ba, na, na, whenever like they're walking, na, na, bum, ba, na, na. yeah. Yeah, that one. That's it. Sounds yep. like someone from like fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the 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 Sega Genesis game. And I'm like, yeah, I'm here <laughs> for this shit. I don't know. I do like all of their uh, their clown themed technology. So they have like the the popcorn gun. And the popcorn sticks to you, and that like it's like a tracking device. And then you like got the popcorn they, uh, popper. Yeah, they harvest people and store them inside cotton candy. Uh they they have the, the clown else. car. Oh, they have 
Yeah, the clown the clown car scene's amazing. Um I don't know. I like uh the people start getting away. So he whips out a fucking balloon and blows it up and then folds it into a fucking balloon animal dog. Yeah. Which starts like pulling him and like tracking them down. So like I said, it's just it's just a, a long series of gags, but and then we get the strangest character in cinema history, uh, Officer Mooney, who yeah. <laughs> just represents 2020 cops so fucking well. Cause he, mm-hmm. he, he just roughs up people, like they're, they're even white, so you know, he just doesn't give a shit in the first place, but he, he roughs up people, threatens to shoot people, well, ignores It's implied phone calls. that they're gay. Oh, that, that's the implication? Yeah. Cause it was it was two young kids who were walking through the park with a bottle of wine at night. Uh, okay, sure. It's actually relatively subtle for the eighties. Yeah, uh, that's. I mean, that's what I gathered is like he he was like insinuating that they were there to fucking diddle each other, and Officer Mooney won't stand for that. Oh, he won't stand for the phone call, the phone ringing all day, and like thinking an entire town is conspiring against specifically him because he's like, "Oh, I'm not going to listen about these clowns, clowns, get the fuck out of here, <laughs> uh, get up on out of here with your clown shoes." Uh, Officer Mooney uh, belongs in every movie. Uh, we we need that kind of cop in every movie because we need to show how uh, completely. Inept the police are sometimes. It's true. All right. Uh, the next thing we watched was Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. This is a Charlie Kaufman movie. Uh, and like I said, one of my favorites of all time. Uh, it is very trippy at some points. Uh, it's basically about like how uh, there's this company called Lacuna that uh, can erase someone from your memory. So like if if there's a particular memory, like if there's a particular person that causes great pain within you. Uh, it, they will uh, erase your memory of that person overnight and then uh, send out, like, cards to your people, like, people around you be like, hey, this person has deleted this person from their brain. Never talk to, never talk about that person again. And it's, a, it's a weird concept, but it's interesting for, like, how people want to forget loss, but they don't, like, or, like, forget, like, bad situations, but, like, ultimately those bad situations are what help you grow. Uh, and it's also about, like, this couple, uh, Played by Kate Winslet and Jim Carrey, who that remove each other from their brains, and we we see it from the the Jim Carrey perspective, where uh, he he's like halfway through, be, after being after being so mad that he wants to go through this process, about halfway through he's reliving these memories, and he's like, no, I want to keep these. I, these memories are great to me, uh, and and it's kind of heartbreaking watching him try, like try to struggle for about forty five minutes to keep these memories, uh, and ultimately they do get back together because you know. There's still that connection after all. Like you can forget about each other, but you can. There's still that connection where you'll be pulled to each other. Uh, and uh, with the finale of the movie, where where Kirsten Dunst sends out, uh, uh, she she's wrong by the owner of the company, so she uh sends out like information, like all the information back to all the patients and the clients. Uh, and we Kate Winslet and and Jim Carrey hear each other's side of the story about why they broke up in the first place and. Uh, he chases after her after she's like, I gotta go. And he's like, look, I don't care about any of that. We should just give this, a, we should just give this a shot. It's like a, it's a, like a fresh slate. She's, and she starts listing off all the same problems that he's, that he had. And he's just like, but what if, and she's just like, what if those things happen again? He's like, okay. And, and that's like, just a simple okay is like the most powerful line in the movie because it's just like, I don't, like, if those things happen, it happens, you know? That's just the way life is, and that's the way love is, and I, I love it for that. That's that's kind of incredible. That that a movie could be simply boiled down to okay, and not like I think this movie's okay, but you know, whatever. Uh, so yes, please, if you haven't watched a, a ter- watch Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, I haven't, and I will. Good, I believe in you. And the final thing I watched was one of your favorite movies of all time, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. I have to pee. I mean, I have to pee on her. I mean, I have to pee. Pee time. I have to pee. Uh, I really like this movie. I, I'm i not quite there in terms of greatness on it. Like, it's like that high 
three and a half where it's like it's almost a four but it's like a it's missing something like I, I love Chris Evans in this because he's like you watch him now, especially after his Captain Americanness, and you're just like, oh, wow, yeah. you are so against type. It's hilarious. And he's like, oh, giving yeah, 110. He's easiest. He's easily my favorite part of the movie. Him and Kieran Culkin. I mean, Kieran Culkin's just phenomenal. It's, uh, Scott Pilgrim's gay roommate. Michael Sarah. Uh, I don't want to call him miscast based off of like the comic book because I never read the comic book. But, like, this is, like, shittier George Michael from Arrested Development. Like, this is exactly yeah. what that character feels like, which He's, is fine. Um, so, I've I've actually read all seven volumes of the of the comic. I think there's seven volumes. That would make sense. Well, like, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is, like, one complete volume of it. Mm-hmm. Where, like, I think, uh... Actually, I think in the Scott Pilgrim vs. the World comic he fights like five of them and then he goes off and does like side adventures. And then like they circle back around to that plot. I don't, I can't remember. It's been a long time since I read that. Sure. Um, but, uh, like he, he is kind of miscast, but I don't know who else you could cast to do that. Cause like, um, like Scott in the comic books is more of like a brash asshole, but also like, a pushover, mm-hmm. like lazy dipshit. So, and I mean, Michael Sarah nails that latter part to a T. Yeah, like he's he's just so perfect in that role. Uh, and I mean, like if you look at the casting on this, this is like uh, today, it, like today's modern like stars. Like you have uh, Brie Larson, Chris Evans, uh, yep. Aubrey Plaza, uh, 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 Michael Sarah, obviously. Anna Kendrick, Anna Kendrick I think, is his sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah she. I don't say glorified cameo because like she's not famous, but like she's a very small role in this movie. Yeah, uh, May Whitman, like, like just, Her? just Jason Schwartzman. Like it's it's just kind of insane looking back at it now, like ten years, uh, ten years oh, ago, yeah. like what the cast has become now. Yeah, which which is one of my favorite things about this movie. Um trying to think if there's anybody else kind of noteworthy i mean you have uh brandon ralph who uh was superman yeah. and then he does this and uh yeah. thomas jane chicken is isn't the... vegan <laughs> yeah thomas jane and then uh oh the other vegan police guy was uh the only other thing i know him from was the uh sequel to boondock saints oh god <laughs> which uh I didn't even really, I don't even really like the first Boondock Saints. The first one's I fine. used to quite a bit. Yeah. yeah, I think everyone has that phase, and then they just kind of grow out of it. Yeah, it didn't age well. No. <laughs> uh, so that's it. That's all I watched this week. Uh, what did you watch this week? Turn around. Look at what you see. Oh, so Stranger Things. I watched a never ending story. Uh, uh, yeah, I watched a never ending story. It's, uh, it's a movie. It's, it's not, um, really how I remembered it. Sure. Like, I, I thought that they were going to be doing, like, a whole lot more world building and stuff, but it kind of just jumps you in and it's like, here we are. He's reading the book and they got to go to the thing and the place and get the thing and meet the person talk to the thing and get the stuff and win the points um it's like you gotta go to the bog of sadness and um to the plains where the of the purple buffalo and shoot the thing and talk to the oracle and meet morla the ancient one oh so it just kind of like throws things at you and it's just like here learn this yeah, it's like noun soup, and the whole the whole movie is like you got to go to the topographical feature of emotional state and meet the fantasy name of the adjective. Um, and it's like it's it's all like constructions like that. Like uh, you get like so and so the blank, and then uh, you get like the 
the mountain of terror and the bog of sadness and the the hill of slight disappointment so um no it's fine a lot of the uh they didn't do a ton of puppet work like in like uh like a labyrinth or dark crystal or something like that where like right. the landscape itself is like a series of puppets and like everything feels very much alive like uh this is this is like the same high fantasy type genre but it it's much more grounded but where there is uh puppet work like for uh the super cool dragon felcor uh that's pretty good and the, yeah! like the giant turtle puppet is neat looking um so yeah there's some neat neat effects work that that ages pretty well but um on the whole this movie is kind of uh kind of hollow like kind of substance less sure it's just kind of a it's um very saccharine i guess it's like uh it's it's like the the no calorie sweetener of 80s children's movies uh i've never seen this movie and I never really wanted to, because, like, it's an 80s children's children's movie, and I know the big thing is, like, Atreyu in, in the fucking uh, bog of sadness. Atreyu! Falcor! Or no, not Atreyu. Atreyu. What's the horse's name? Artax. Ar- Artax, yeah. Artax in the fucking, the fucking uh, bog of sadness. Yeah, which is, like, I, I saw that scene, which, like, I thought that that was, like, towards the end of the movie when that happened. But that was like within the first thirty minutes, I think. Oh Jesus! That, that happened. I was like, "Oh man, there's like a lot of movie left after this." But yeah, it's just a sad horse, and he sinks into the bog and dies. And uh, it made me think of BoJack Horseman. Sure. Actually, thematically, that ties in a lot with the uh, view from halfway down episode. Yeah, I guess that's true. So that's my review of the never-ending story. Here's the real question. Did it end? It never truly ends. Because <laughs> as they state in the movie and have no way of confirming, uh, there are also like higher-order universes where people are reading about uh, the kid reading the book and his life and adventures, and the story goes on and on throughout worlds and timelines and also they made a bunch of shitty direct-to-dvd sequels to this movie i think for some reason my family owns a never-ending story too i don't know why i think i tried to watch it one time and there was like some sort of bird creature that looked like uh birdie from ronald mcdonald land and i was like this is awful and i shut it off sounds about right I didn't even stick around long enough for the Fry Kids to show up. Do people remember McDonald Land? Um, I also no. watched The Firm with Vanessa, uh, starring Tom Cruise, based on the John Grisham novel. Uh, I've never seen this before. It's a pretty long movie. It's a very good movie. It's from 1993. It's a drama mystery thriller movie. Um... So this is about Tom Cruise. He's a a young lawyer, and he's uh, just got hired at this uh, firm where he's going to build his career and put the world in his pocket and pull it down and wrap it up and stick it in his pocket and everything's going to be good forever. Um, but it turns out that uh, like there's some a bunch of weird shit going on. Turns out the firm is uh, actually laundering money for the mafia and, like, providing legal services for the mafia. So it ends up being that, like, Tom Cruise ain't down with that, so he has to figure out how to take him down and not get whacked or offed or whacked off or bumped or whatever. Whatever they call it these days. Um... So this is another star-studded cast. It's got Tom Cruise, uh, Gene Hackman is one of the partners at the firm. Um, 
Wilford Brimley. I was excited to see oh, he's in this. That's he's like, a, yeah, he's like a like a security guy slash enforcer for the firm. Like he strong arms people into not stepping out of line and talking to the cops and stuff. So he's a a threatening uh, presence, a foil to Tom Cruise. Um, Ed Harris is a uh, FBI agent. Uh, Gary Busey is in this as a like a private detective who's banging his secretary. He's like the best character ever. So Gary Busey's the best character ever. I don't believe it. Oh man, I fucking love me some Busey. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's a cool movie though. I don't know. I never, I never read the book or like. I know this is. It's like one of the John Grisham books, but um. I wasn't really familiar with the story or anything, so uh, it was cool. It was cool to kind of get to experience this for the first time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'll give it like a three and a half. Okay. It's pretty good. I recommend it. Uh, it's two and a half hours, so like set aside oh, some time. Okay. You lost me. <laughs> it was all good until that. Yeah. I was there for Tom Cruise. Come on. All right. Uh, anything else? No, I I do kind of feel like the firm is a a movie that would lend itself to like watching over two to three sittings. Like, I think that would be fine. Like, there's breaks in the action where you can kind of step away from it for a bit. So, uh, so that wraps that up and brings us to our main review topic for the week. Yes, uh, the animated movie that came out earlier this year on Netflix called The Willoughbys. That's right. This is an animated adventure comedy movie uh, with a 90-minute runtime, which is fantastic. Um, This came out back in April, and we just kind of missed it because we had very many important things to do back then. Uh, This is a 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb, so it's... A whole 1.2 stars better than Tall Girl. Uh, rated PG, it is about uh, four children who are convinced that they'd be better off raising themselves. Uh, so they hatch a sneaky plan to send their selfish parents on vacation. The siblings then embark on an, their own high-flying adventure to find the true meaning of family. Uh, this is directed by Chris Pern and Corey Evans. Uh, written by Chris Pern and Mark Stanley. And stars Will Forte, Maya Rudolph, uh, Terry Crews, and uh, fucking Martin Short's in this for some reason. And uh, your favorite actor of all time, Ricky Gervais. Oh, yes. As yes. a cat. As, as soon as I heard the Ricky Gervais cat narration, I was like, good, I'm in for a fucking treat. <laughs> uh, if you, in case you were wondering what we skipped over for, to watch this, uh, here, here's all of our episodes that came out in uh, April. Uh, we had Coffee and Kareem, Tiger Tail, mm-hmm. The Big Show Show, and Extraction. <laughs> Man, I really liked Tiger Tail. I do too. That's currently my number one Netflix original movie of the year. Uh, spoilers for this one because uh, this isn't, I don't think this is even in my top five. Yeah, Um, I did like this. I think it's cute and charming and fun. Okay. Uh, it's just, uh, just kind of whatever. It's like, uh, I don't know. I'd put it in the category of like a Coraline. Like that's the kind of aesthetic they're going for, I guess. Um, so it's about the Willoughby family who were like this old, like, uh, old timey power family. Yep. Who had a proud lineage and everyone had mustaches. Um, except their parents don't have mustaches because. Uh, they fucked up the family. It's true. Uh, the mom only, uh, knits. She, she, like, cuts the, her husband's mustache hair and uses that hair to, to knit, uh, things Mm -hmm. for some reason. Which, uh, I think that's the most interesting thing about the movie is just, like, the animation style and how, like, the hair is animated. Because it really, like, when you, when they do the zoom-ins on the hair, or, like, the close-ups on the hair, it looks like yarn. Yeah. 
It really made me want to play Kirby's Epic Yarn for the Nintendo Wii. Wii! They also do something similar with, like, clouds and, like, vapor trails. It's like, they're basically, like, fluff. Like, they just kind of, like, throw fluff. And it's very interesting. There's the candy factory that has, like, a rainbow-colored smoke coming out of the smokestack and stretching across the entire city, which uh, has to be highly toxic. Uh, but it, it looks like it's like, uh, like dyed cotton kind of stretched across the sky. So definitely like visually striking. That's, that's probably my, one of my favorite parts of the movie. Uh, that is my favorite part of the movie because otherwise, uh, I don't care for this movie at all. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. I like that. And I like the, I actually do like the song that the girl sings. I'm fine with it. Here's my thing. I don't know what this movie is trying to be about because, like, they, like, the one, our one character is like, hey, let's talk, let's, like, I want to hold up, hold up the, the traditions of my family, even if my parents are just the fucking worst. Uh, so I'm going to be a super family traditionalist. And then. Mm-hmm. A, a, a nanny, and then they have a a baby shows up, and they take it to go get adopted. Yeah, um, and we we get Maya Rudolph as the dummy thick nanny, real thick, real thick girl. Uh, and like they they send the parents off on a vacation to get them killed because they want to be orphans. Uh, and it's just like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like. I don't. I felt like I was paying attention the whole time. It was just like I don't understand what the whole point was. Was it like you can choose your family? Is that the ultimate message of this movie? I th- I think that ultimately is what it's supposed to be. That like, um, like that, or that like, just realizing that the thing that you're looking for has been with you the whole time, because like the children kind of learn to trust and rely on each other and not uh need anything beyond that because like their parents suck right but also it's kind of a movie about uh four kids trying to kill their parents and being for the most part rewarded for it yeah so like i don't i don't know i have i have a hard time reconciling this with this movie because like tim is the hardest character to understand because he seemingly flip-flops between what he wants all the time and that's fine he's a kid you do that as a kid like you don't know what you want until like you see something in front of you but then like uh, i i don't know like i don't feel like his character ever really comes to a realization like uh when we have our climactic scene on the mountaintop like it's just like he hears his sister singing and then he goes back and then they get saved and it's like wait what what did he learn like he's the one character that has to learn something. What did he learn? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> uh I don't know. Um and, like you have a you have at least like a decent supporting cast in Yes. Like Terry Crews is uh was it Captain Melanoff, the guy who owns the Commander Melanoff. He owns the candy factory. He's and, a suit uh, made of candy. Yeah. He's a Willy like, Wonka type. And he's in a a couple scenes. Yeah, he's not used very yeah. much at all. And it's yeah. a, a bit disappointing because it's like, oh, cool, Terry Crews. And even Ashley was like, oh, is that Terry Crews? I'm like, yeah. And then he's in like maybe two more scenes after that where she said that. Like he's, I think he's in four total scenes. And that's fine. Like, I don't really hate, like, I'm never going to chastise a movie for not utilizing characters as much. But, like, I don't know. Uh, it, it felt like the whole nanny being, like, a motherly figure to them was really rushed as well. Like, yeah. hey, let's become a, let's all become a family. And the nanny's just like, cool, I want to be a family with these people first to show you what a family looks like. And then we'll all become a family together. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. There's the whole thing with like uh, 
the orphan that they find, uh, baby Ruth. Get it, get it, because oh, I just they, got it. They now, go to the actually. candy factory. Um, I, legit, I legitimately just got it now. I'm, I'm so. Proud and also, I <laughs> well, whenever uh, they go to like re-gift this orphan that was left on their stoop, uh, they decide to call her Ruth because whenever. Uh, they get rid of her, they will be ruthless, which mm-hmm. is what Tim says they have to be to survive. Uh, but, I mean, like, with the whole, the whole, like, them uh, taking the orphan or whatever to the candy factory, like, that didn't need to happen for the movie to happen. Like, it's just kind of a thing that happened. And, uh, like, a lot of this movie is like this. Like, it. It's only 90 minutes, but it feels like a lot of it could have been pared down to really get to, like, what the point of the movie was supposed to be. Yeah. Any, like, and conversely, some things could have been expanded on. Yeah. Uh, like, like I was saying with the, the whole nanny thing, like, the nanny Linda, which uh, gave me nightmares. Hmm. But, like, I, I felt like her character could, like, she, I think she's there for, like, maybe ten minutes of screen time, and it's just like, oh, we're just gonna go with this woman who was nice to us. And it's like, well, that that's sort of problematic, like, this just kind of enforces children who, who should follow people who are nice to them and possibly get abducted and killed. And it's like, that's not fine. Yeah, the screenplay just seems really uneven, like, they just chose the wrong uh, aspects to focus on. Like there's yeah. good there's good stuff here for them to work with, just not what they decided to work with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh that's all. That's kind of my whole thoughts on it. I I think the vo- the voice cast is fine. Uh outside of Ricky Gervais who could uh, jump off a bridge tomorrow and I wouldn't be sad. They he like his his shtick in this entire movie was just continually unfunny as he normally is so uh if there was one role that i could have done without it was the cat or just like i don't know replace it with like jason schwartzman i don't care okay uh what would you rate this bad boy i gave it a two two and half two and half cool well uh that's the willoughby's Check it out if you want. Uh, if you have kids, they'll probably enjoy this and be like, but what about these themes, Dad? And Gerald will be <laughs> like, well, son, I don't know how to explain it to you. Uh, but with that, we're going to cut and do a quick break here. And when we come back from that, we're going to talk about a patron requested review for The Social Network. Do you love a good story? If you do, check out Stories of Your and Yours. I'm Sean Ennis, and each week on Stories of Your and Yours... I narrate a classic short story, adding music and sound effects to bring those stories new life. Poe, Vonnegut, Kipling, Twain, these are just a few of the authors that we've featured so far. And in addition to classic short stories, we feature original stories from aspiring authors. So if you do love a good story, give stories of your, that's Y-O-R-E, and yours, that's Y-O-U-R-S, a listen today. And visit the show at SYY Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. To say hi and let me know what you think. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it is time to talk about a patron requested review for the social network. Well, fine, if you don't want my money. You mean, if we watch terrible movies, you'd give us money? Well, sure. Mr. Caleb, welcome to the patron review segment. The Social Network is a 2010 biography drama film. Uh, It is a 7.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, Directed by David Fincher, written by Aaron Sorkin and starring Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield, and Justin Timberlake. As Harvard student Mark Zuckerberg creates the social networking site that would become known as Facebook, he is sued by the twins who claimed he stole their idea, and by the co-founder who was later squeezed out of the business. So, Dan, give me a hot take on The Social Network. All right, so Nick thinks this is the movie of the decade. Uh, I disagree, but not, like, so negative that he... I, I I don't understand what he's talking about. I think this is a great movie. 
it, yeah. it shares a lot of DNA with Steve Jobs that came out five years later, but we saw mm-hmm. before this, uh, in that, like, I have a tough time connecting overall to any of the characters because, like, everyone at the, and every one of these characters is somebody who goes to Harvard or who went to Harvard. They're going to be fine. I don't I, I don't feel bad yeah. for anybody whose intellectual property was stolen, anybody who was forced out of a business because you went to Harvard and you will be fine. And that's where like the that's the big crux that holds me back from like truly enjoying this movie more. It, it, it's just like I have no sympathy for the elite. Yeah, like I did uh I did really compare this also to the Steve Jobs movie. Um I I would say I liked this more I I hate Mark Zuckerberg more as a person, but I actually think that Jesse Eisenberg is a better actor than Michael Fassbender. Ooh, that's my hot take. That's a hot take. Um, like I I've loved Jesse Eisenberg and everything that he I've seen him in. Really, like uh, I don't know. He was the best part to me of uh, Batman versus Superman. Him as Lex Luthor. Suck on that. Um, you just want to watch the world burn. Yeah, suck on that, comic fans. Because that's how Lex Luthor would be in, like, a realistic modern-day take on it. He'd be the fucking nerd who's just a smarmy asshole. Uh, and Jesse Eisenberg is so good at that. Um, Yeah, I don't know. This is a far cry from fucking film of the decade. That's a bold take, but um, it's a very well-crafted film. Yes. Um, and I don't know. The supporting cast is there. Like they're all fine. Andrew Garfield is fine. Justin Timberlake exists. Um, but Jesse Eisenberg is, you know, um, he really he really does steal the show. I don't know. Uh, I, I like. Great. I do like Army Hammer. Uh, because he he's playing both of the Winklevosses. Uh, yeah. Which I, I thought was interesting. Like, like Fincher was like, man, I really like this Army Hammer guy. Just give me another one. Like, well, there is no other one. Like, put him in my movie twice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, fucking 6'4 and 200, 200 pounds and like 3% body fat. And there's two of me. <laughs> or whatever the that fuck he says. That's the most macho thing uh, I've ever fucking heard. Yeah. <laughs> like, like macho uh, asshole thing I've ever heard. Did you near did you know that uh Army Hammer is the grandson of Armand Hammer who uh was the uh, like creator of Armand Hammer baking soda? It's like Army Hammer has that baking soda money. I can't tell if you're joking. <laughs> that is a hundred percent true. Because that that sounds plausible, but it also sounds like something someone would come up with to fuck with people. <laughs> Look it up. Yeah, his grandfather, uh, his name was Armand Hammer, and he he created the Armand Hammer Baking Soda Company. Yeah. Uh, I I think the other thing, and I and like I get that Aaron Sorkin is a screenwriting master, and you know, like most screenwriters probably wish they could write a script half as good as him, but I do feel like. This is one movie where he his script kind of hurts because these are basically incel computer nerds we're talking about, except for like you know mm-hmm. the, the Winkle bosses like Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, the the way he the way he talks to Rudy Mara in that first scene is perfect. Like I, I love the script there, but then after that, like Mark Zuckerberg just has like this perfect condescending answer to everything. And it's like, I don't know Mark Zuckerberg as a person, and I don't want to. But I don't feel like he has this kind of charisma and charm to where he can pull that kind of shit off. Well, like, look at the fucking videos of him, like, addressing Congress from a year or two ago. Like, he he literally does that same shit. I'm gonna be honest, I didn't even watch those videos. I, I, was, I, and I don't know. I just stayed willfully ignorant about that kind of stuff. <laughs> I think the most interesting thing 
really about the movie and its production is that this, I think this was going on, like the production of this movie was happening like simultaneously with like these depositions and such. Like, I, I don't think anything had been resolved yet while they were filming, which is why they, I think put the, the, the ending stuff of like, Oh, these guys got this much money. Uh, uh yeah. Eduardo got some sort of money and also restored to the, Something I forget. I to forget. the masthead. Masthead. That's it. Like, oh, okay. Like, like it was just like a, a thing that happened. Like, well, we can't reshoot these scenes. Uh, just fucking put up some text. Who cares? Oh, oh, fuck it. Just put a where is it? Where are they now? Segment. Uh, what did you think about the way they portrayed Zuckerberg? Uh, me not even just through deposition, but like. What his, what they supposed his through line was from the start of the movie to the end of the movie, like what his reasoning was for doing Facebook. Um, I don't know. I mean, like it's as good a reason as any for him to have done it. Like, I'm I'm assuming that this is like a heavily fictionalized account of the true events, and uh, you know it. It works as a film, and that's all I needed it to do was just to be a good film. Sure. Like if I, if I wanted to know like the true, like true Hollywood story of Mark Zuckerberg's rise to prominence, like I would read a fucking book, a Facebook, if you will. Mm. Which you are no longer on, so you can't be friend requested by Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, people shouldn't use Facebook. I'm weaning myself off of that. As, as I don't know. The only reason that I had it for like the last year and a half that I did was for the podcast. And then I realized that I wasn't really actually engaging with the podcast page. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, simply all I do anymore is uh, post our our, uh, our episode to Instagram and then let it post to Facebook. Which uh, we see Sean Parker talking about, like the beginnings of Instagram, uh, <laughs> at the at the end of this movie, while uh, he's getting busted for cocaine. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you want to talk about with Social Network? No, not really. I think uh, I think it's just a movie that should be experienced if you want to experience uh, it in its purest state. Like, don't. Don't go into it knowing a whole lot about it. Just watch it and make an assessment. Uh, what would you give The Social Network? Uh, a four seems right. Yes, that is also what I gave it, a four. See, this is one of those movies where, it, like, I know you like Steve Jobs, so I, but I also know that you fucking hate Zuckerberg, so I don't know how that would have gone into this. So, Oh, I hate Steve Jobs. Yeah, like, I, I, I and so I figured, eh. He'll probably be fine with it. Yeah. So, uh, I'm sorry, Nick, that we don't think this is the greatest fucking movie of the decade. Uh, I can tell you what I think the best movie of the decade is in, in like, two seconds. Uh, It's Pacific Rim. It's not Pacific Rim. (laughs) It's uh, Nightcrawler, Uh, actually. If I really believed that, Nick would be so mad. (laughs) That's that's true. No, uh... I'm going to go out on the limb and say Nightcrawler is the movie of the decade, but that's just me. I don't know if they have a movie of the decade. That's fair. You don't, don't have to. think about that. You don't have to. You're allowed. You're allowed to not do that. I have a game of the decade, which is Breath of the Wild. Sure. <laughs> eh. I like to bring that up because I know it makes you mad. Sure does. Uh, so with that, time to talk about what we're doing next week on the show. And next week we are doing a review for the Jamie Foxx, Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie, Project Power. And I didn't tell you this until right now, but we are going to be joined by Mahdi from Movie Marathoners as a makeup Whoa. for, for, uh, making it for, as a makeup for missing the Pokemon Journeys review. Hooray. And we also have a dick pic for next week because fuck it, who cares? Oh, fuck it. Put some dick pics in there. Uh, so we're going to do uh, a vote on this. So head over to our Twitter page for the dick pic vote on uh, the dick pic. So uh, my random word was career. 
And that brought me to the movie Oh, Ramona. Uh, An awkward 16-year-old Andre is infatuated with his alluring but aloof schoolmate Ramona until he meets stunning hotel clerk Anamona while on vacation. Sure. Uh, This adaptation of the best-selling novel by Romanian comic Andre... Chibano was a box office smash in his home country. So this is Romanian. Okay. Uh, <laughs> my word was highlight, which brought me to the Netflix original film, Hashtag Reality High. Oh, God, no. When nerdy high schooler Danny finally attracts the interests of her longtime crush, she lands in the crosshairs of his ex, a social media celebrity. Is this 2018? 2017. Oh my god. I remember uh, talking about says, the trailer. <laughs> it says this movie is witty and heartfelt. I don't believe you. Yeah. Um, just be glad I didn't pick the princess switch, which also came up. Oh fucking yikes. Star starring two copies of Vanessa Hudgens. <laughs> All right, well, uh, like I said, go over to our Twitter, at Netflix and Swill, to vote on that. Uh, that'll be up eh, pretty much like right after this episode is finished recording. Uh, that's a bit. That's, oh, I, I just, right. I, I, I combined that's about it into that's a bit. So <laughs> there you go, everybody. You're, I like you're, it. You're, you're allowed a new contraction. Uh, tell them stuff, Caleb. Where can they find us and such? Netflixandswill.com. Your one-stop shop for all of our things that we do. We do things. Uh, enjoy them. Consume our product. Uh-oh, somersault jump. <laughs> uh, and on that note, uh, this is Caleb saying we'll see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.